Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Are you ready for the word today? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? We've been in this series that we've called Shovel and Spear. Look at your neighbor and tell him, Shovel and Spear. Hey, if you don't mind, remain standing. I will seat you in just a minute, I promise. It's just my custom to keep you standing for the word. Yeah, I'm sorry. Y'all like, I got comfortable. Tell you what, I'll let you sit and I'll stand the rest of the service, Okay. Hey, I want to read some scriptures to you all. We're in this series called Shovel and Spear. We're talking about the books of Ezra and the books of Nehemiah. They're they're found in the Old Testament. Not very long books, but they've got big implications. And uh, for those of you that don't know, we recently purchased this property that we are having church on right now. And in the next, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody get excited about that. We are in the process of getting our plans ready. We're going to go to the city to get some permits. Because I know you can build without a permit, but that's not how we roll at Lighthouse Church. I know some of y'all put some additions in your house without a permit. (laughs) We just can't do it like that, family. We just can't. (laughs) We're a church. We got to lead by example. So as much as I'd like to put some extensions over there, we got to do things right. Tell your neighbor, do it right. (laughs) So this week, I expect to see some samples of the wood, of the carpet, of the paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our designers are like... It's all coming in the mail. I'm excited. Are y'all excited about that? And so we've turned to the books of Ezra and Nehemiah to help guide us through this process because they had to build a temple. And in the same way that they built a temple, we're going to be building a temple here in Vista. We may not call it a temple. We might call it a building. We might call it a church. It's got a lot of nicknames because the reality is you are the church. The church is not a building. The church is people. And so, um, yeah, we do a lot of things with what we call the building. But anyway, um, we're excited for this season that we're entering into. And so we've been in the book of Ezra to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds for what God is getting ready to do in and through Lighthouse Church. So go with me to chapter 3 now. If you want to catch up, you can go on YouTube. Our production team does a phenomenal job of archiving our messages on YouTube. As a matter of fact, can we clap for our production team right now? Y'all killing it. And, and not only do they kill it here in the tent, but today a friend of mine texted me and said, Pastor, I couldn't be there, but I'm watching online. He gave me that, like, proof, like, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. So we see you, we love you, and it's because of our production team that our, 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 fan, our friends and family can continue to watch online. So you can go back and you can catch the first two messages uh, we're building every single week on what we talk about the week before. So let's go to Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. When the seventh month came... And the children of Israel were in the towns. The people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. A little backstory here. The uh, children of Israel were previously in captivity to uh, the Persian Empire, but they were allowed to return to Jerusalem, their homeland, to rebuild the temple. So this is saying when the seventh month came, they were already settled in their towns, but it was time for them to get to work. Then arose Jeshua. It's a great name. Really close to Joshua, like really (laughs) close. And Joshua is a great name. The son of Josadak, not a good name, but you can have that one, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, two more amazing names there, okay, with his kinsmen, 
And they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So they set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. I don't have time to talk about this, but if I had time, I'd talk to you about how sometimes you got to do it afraid. Sometimes you just got to build even when you're afraid. We're not talking about that today, but if I, if I could, I'd add that on. And they kept the Feast of Booths as it is written and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule, as each day required. And after that, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon and at the appointed feasts of the Lord, and the offerings of everyone who made a freewill offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought. Check the foundation. Check the foundation. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everything that you are doing in this house. We thank you for your presence that is already here. You've been meeting with us here week after week. And now, Father, I pray that you speak to us one more time. We block off every distraction. We quiet the noise and we center our mind and our hearts and our thoughts on your word. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. You may be seated. Check the foundation. How many of you in the tent are a homeowner? Where are all my homeowners at? Put that hand up in the air. You own your home. You guys remember buying your first home or subsequent home? Remember the home that I'm living in right now? Uh, when we were getting ready to buy this home, um, when, we got in, when we first walked the home, my wife and I noticed that this house had a lot of great upgrades. We were like, man, this house looks good. And then the selling agent told us, that the house didn't always look this good. As a matter of fact, when the owner had gotten this house, this house was in really bad shape. Now, I thought he was blowing up smoke because we were in a negotiation. And I already told you two weeks ago, I like to negotiate. I'll negotiate the price of an apple. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just negotiate anything. So he was telling me, you know, this house was really in, in disarray before the owners bought it. And I'm like, I can fact check that. So I go to Zillow and I'm looking at the pictures. And sure enough, the house was unrecognizable. I mean, the backyard, the grass was just dead. The trees were just dead. Everything was just a mess. How many of you guys remember when the housing market bubble burst? Do y'all remember that? 2008, and it just, everything just like, the, the, the floor just went out on houses. Do you guys remember how there were certain families that when they finally had to leave their house because, you know, they they had they had gotten on one of those adjustable rate the devil is a liar mortgages. You guys remember those? Like this mortgage will adjust with the interest rate. What a terrible idea. Like what a god awful idea. You don't even know what your payments going to be month to month. But anyway, people were doing it and then when they could no longer afford the payments, they they had to leave the house. And do you guys remember how some people would leave the house but destroy the house on the way out? Do you guys remember hearing some of those stories? Well, that's what happened to this house. I mean, they started putting holes in the wall. Like, why would they put a hole in the wall? I mean, just salty that they were losing their home and put a hole in the wall. That was the house that my wife and I are living in now. And I went back to go look. And, and, and sure enough, that, that real estate agent wasn't lying. They just let their kid draw on the wall. I kid you not. I mean, I, I should like get pictures of this to memorialize it, but I'm looking at this one room. It's the room now that's occupied by my son, Jude, and they just let their kid draw on the wall. Very eclectic. You know what I mean? Just very liberal parents. No I'm kidding. Just like, just open minded. Just like, go ahead, child, draw a butterfly. And it was just a mess. And again, holes where there shouldn't be holes. And so 
The subsequent homeowner really did invest a lot of money into fixing up the house, and it was new floor, and it was new paint, and it was just great. All the little new appliances, all the upgrades were good. So I remember as we're getting ready to buy the house, that was all great. But, but how many know that when you buy a house, there has to be a home inspection that is done? And, and, and really, you don't want to fall in love too much with the paint because you could put new paint up. You don't want to fall too much in love with the floors because that can be scrapped out. But what you're most concerned with when the home inspector comes is, how's the foundation? How many know that? that, that that's way more important than paint. Paint comes and goes. Flooring comes and goes. Appliances comes and goes. But if they tell you this isn't a good foundation, go find yourself a new house. Because the last thing you want is a house that has a bad foundation. Don't get too caught up with the cosmetics. Don't get too caught up with the exterior. You want to check the foundation. Tell your neighbor, check the foundation. Man, this ain't even in my notes, but this is how you should also approach relationships. Can I get a good amen, somebody? But she's fine, pastor. Go check the foundation. Look at the way she talks to her daddy because that's the way she can be talking to you. Look at the way she cleans her room or if she doesn't clean up her room. Because if she don't clean up her bedroom when she's living, you know, for free in her parents' house, there ain't no way she's cleaning up her bedroom when she's married to you. Come on, somebody. All right. I wasn't supposed to talk about that, but it applies, doesn't it? Come on. Some of y'all are like, I wish you would have told me that, Pastor. I'm stuck with her anyway. You got to check the foundation. Let's invite the Holy Spirit back into this tent. All right. So when we get to this passage of scripture here in Ezra chapter three, we read that the children of Israel, they've now come back home to their land. They're back in Jerusalem and they're getting ready to build the altar. We talked a little bit about this two weeks ago. They're getting ready to build the altar. And when they're getting ready to build the altar, which was the first thing that they were going to build, and then they were going to build the temple, we read that Zerubbabel first wanted to get the altar back where the original altar was placed. In order to do that, he had to go backwards and check the blueprint, check the foundation. They, they were sweeping the rubbles of the previous temple that was now in ruin. They were going back to the original design and the measurements of that temple because it was important to them to put that altar in the right spot. How many of you know that the foundation matters? The foundation matters. This, this altar had a place. This altar had its very own foundation. It says they had to set it in its place. So not only did the temple have a foundation, but the altar where they're getting ready to build that altar, that had a place in a space and it had its own foundation. So in order for Zerubbabel to get this right, he had to look backwards. He had to look backwards. How many know that sometimes in order to move forward, you first have to look back. How many know that sometimes in order to look, in order to move forward, you have to look back. Tell your neighbor, look back. But don't stare back. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a difference. You got to look back, but don't stare back. You stare backwards, you're going to start ruminating. You know what I'm saying? You start, look, you start staring backwards. You start staring at things you shouldn't be staring at. Some of you on Facebook wondering how your old high school girlfriend looks. How does she look? Oh, she looks good. I wonder if she's happy. She don't look happy. You're married. What are you doing? What is wrong with you? Look back, but don't stare back. 
There's a reason why the 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 um there's a reason why your rear view mirror is much smaller compared to your windshield. And it's the same way in life. It's okay to look back, but don't stare back. You can't get stuck staring back in the past when God is calling you to move your life forward. And you can't continue to look back and think about why life, what life could have been or should have been or had it been this way. You've got to keep moving forward. And so it's okay to look back, but don't get caught staring back. And so what Zerubbabel did was he looked back in order to build the foundation. But again, it was very important that he didn't stare back. The reason why we look back and the reason that um, that, that should be helpful is this. Looking back should, should serve as a reminder of your why. When you look backwards, it should serve as a reminder of your why. If you're building and living on purpose, if you're trying to build and live on purpose, looking backwards should give you that reminder of why am I doing this? Why am I after this? Why am I building this? Why are we doing it this way? Anyone ever have to look back and remind yourself about your why? There was a great book read, re written by Simon Sinek that started with this title. You start with why. Start with why. Understand your why. Your why is your purpose. And so it's okay to look back as long as you're looking back to understand why you're on this journey to begin with. Some of you need to look back in, in how far you've come and remember why you are here today and not where you used to be yesterday. I was talking to a young man on our team and he told me that life was getting very hard and, 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 and he was tempted to go back to his old life and his old life involved prison and his old life involved gangs and his old life involved running the street, but running the streets. But then he remembered why he left all of that. He had an encounter with the matchless love of Jesus and that love was greater than any other love that a gang, that a substance, that a street or a prison could give him. And so he said, you know, I started looking back and remembering why I am here. So we only look back to get, a, to get an understanding of our why. And Zerubbabel, the reason he looked back, and I need for you, for you to get this, is he placed the altar, okay? It was set exactly where God told Solomon to set it. The original temple was built by King Solomon, and King Solomon built the temple according to the measurements that God gave him. I think that's kind of important, right? I mean, it would have been one thing if a priest said, you know, the altar would look good right there. But it was God who said, you're going to set the altar right in this location, and this is a place that you're going to offer sacrifices. And so Zerubbabel knew, if I'm going to build the altar, I have got to put the altar in the right location. Why? Because they were getting ready to build again. Tell your neighbor, build again. I say all that because one of the things that I love about this church, and if you don't know our journey, this church is two years old. We started in the city of San Marcos. In the month of February, we shifted over to the city of Vista. But in the last two years, we've seen a lot of people come back to church. And what I mean by that is we've reached a lot of people that in the Christian space, they'll call them de-churched, meaning they didn't give up on God. They just gave up on the church. And some of you are like, yeah, that was me. I didn't give up on the I didn't give up on God. My faith was there, but I just kind of gave up on church. And so what we started seeing was a lot of families come back because they found a church that didn't look like the church that they grew up in. 
They found a church that didn't look like the church that hurt them. They found a church that didn't look like the church that ran them away from the church. And so they started coming. And many times I would talk to these parents and I would hear them say things like, well, it's just I really want my child to grow up in the church. I really want my son or daughter to have the same experiences that I had growing up in church. And, and, and listen, I greatly value that. I think that's incredible. I think that's noble. I think that's part of your experience and part of your reasons for wanting to make your come back to church but I also know that some of you have a calling on your life and it's not just about the kids but it's about you coming back to the calling that God has over your life so it's okay that you're prioritizing your children but make sure you are also prioritizing the unique calling that God has on your life it's not enough to bring your church to bring your kids to church so that they can have a relationship with the same God that has marked and changed your life. But I have a funny feeling that there are a lot of people sitting under this tent right now up under the sound of my voice right now that you have not yet fulfilled the call of God on your life. And God is saying, I'm not done with you yet. If it took your kids in order for you to get here, that's great. I got you in the tent now. But while I got you in the tent, I'm not done with you yet. And if I called you to something, I've called you to complete that thing. I hope I'm not putting too much pressure on some of you right now, but I've just got to paint the picture exactly like it is. I'm happy that you brought your kids, but it, could it be that you've got a calling that God is not done with yet? Could it be that God is calling you to build again? Here's one thing you got to know. An abandoned calling does not mean a completed calling. An abandoned calling, meaning God put a calling on your life, and just because you've abandoned it doesn't mean that God's done. You might think he's done, but he's not done. What I know about God is he is faithful to complete what he starts. As a matter of fact, that's what the verse says in Philippians 1 and 6. Paul writing, he says this, and I am sure of this, that the God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so some of you need to build again. Some of you need to get going again. Some of you have felt the tug and the call of God, and you think it's all about your kids. But mom and dad, if you are not dead, you are not done. God is not through with you. He still wants to use you, and there's still so much for you to do. And if you're wondering, well, what do I do? I'm glad you asked in your head. Because just as Pastor Peter and Ruthie were up here talking about, our small groups are getting ready to restart just after Labor Day weekend. And so this coming Wednesday, if you are feeling like, I, I, I feel like God's calling me to do something, I, I feel a sense of urgency, one of the best things you can do is open up a connect group, which is our small groups here at Lighthouse Church. That's perhaps one of the best things that you can do with your time. If you are feeling the weight of God saying, I've got more work for you to do, and you don't know where to start, could it be that he's calling you to start a connect group could it be that he's calling you to impact people around you could it be that he's calling you to open up your home and to start sharing the gospel with your friends with your families with your co-workers with your with your loved ones and maybe for some of you, you need to get on the dream team. You've been coming to church every Sunday. You've been enjoying our coffee. You've been enjoying the worship. And you're wondering, what do I do next? Look at your neighbor. Tell him, get on the team. Get on the team. Listen, I have no problem with you coming. I'm glad that you are here. I am glad that you, are, that you have joined us here. But could it be that God's calling you now to lay down your life and start to serve something bigger than yourself? 
Could it be that God placed us on your path because he wants to get you going again? Some of you are like, Pastor Josh, I don't think that serving coffee is really in the calling. You've never served our coffee before. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I really believe that it opens up a door for more. I really believe when you get around like-minded people and we start to create a place and a space for people to encounter God, it is a tarmac to the plane that's going to take off that is called the calling that God has over your life. Some of you just don't even know where to get your jet. You know, where, where do I bring my jet for this takeoff? Join the team. Get in a small group. Lead a small group. But here's what I do know. You're never going to fulfill your calling doing life all by yourself, coming to church as a consumer on Sunday, and never stepping in to all of the promises that God has for you. And I believe God is calling you to build again. Zerubbabel knew I need to build again. And so going back to our story, he goes to the place where he's checking out the foundation because the foundation matters. How many know that what you build on matters? Say that again. How many know that what you build on matters? You don't want to build on bad ground. You don't want to build on a faulty foundation. I don't care how nice the structure looks on the outside. If the foundation is bad, it's not a good place to build. I was having this conversation with my son, Jaden, and we were talking about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Anyone ever seen it? Where are, my, where are my European travelers? Okay. You know that it's not really called the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? It's called the Tower of Pisa. <laughs> Everybody calls it the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Why? Because it's leaning. And why is it leaning? Because of the foundation. Yeah, I get that it's a wonder. <laughs> People go and look at this, 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 um, this architecture of marvelous misengineering. <laughs> but we literally call it something that I believe that the builders never intended for it to be called. Can you imagine living a life and not doing the thing that God intended for your life simply because you built on the wrong foundation? And, and, and God doesn't want someone to call you the leaning this. God doesn't want someone to call you the person with this shortcoming. God doesn't want you to be called the person that is known by their defect and not by their design. God absolutely has a design for your life, but unless you put your design on the foundation, you will build on something that God never called you to build on, and you'll become something that God never intended for you to become. So you've got to make sure you are building on the right foundation. What you build on absolutely matters. And I think about what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, and I know I'm jumping all the way from Old Testament Ezra to New Testament Ephesians, but I want you to read what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 because it sounds a whole lot like Ezra and the children of Israel coming back to Jerusalem. Let's read it together. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit and Paul 
His language mirrors the experience of the children of Israel in Ezra when he says, no, 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 you're no more strangers. You're not, you're not a foreigner anymore. You've got family, and you belong in the household of God. Every time someone walks onto this parking lot and into this tent, we want to make sure that they know that they are loved, that they're not a stranger to God. They're not a foreigner to God. Just because they don't have a relationship with a church doesn't mean that God doesn't see them. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. It doesn't mean that God doesn't know them. And so what we want to do is come around all these people and let them know you matter. You are loved. God sees you. God knows you. God cares for you. That's why we do everything that we do on a Sunday to make sure that people know this. And, and beyond that, here's the deal. When you come to the church, you aren't joining a brand. You aren't joining a movement. But I want you to get this. When you come to the church, you are joining the household of God. That's what Paul says. I didn't join a club. I didn't join some country club. I didn't join some Christian clique. But I stepped out of the world. I stepped out of my lifestyle. I stepped outside of what I knew for my entire life. And I stepped into the household of God. Now, that's a good household to be a part of. Amen. The household of God is a good household to be a part of. And this is what I love about the household of God. You can come in any shape. You can come in any color. You can come in any size. And what I read about the, the church and what I read about the household of God is it's the original institution that tore down slavery, racism. It's the original institution that told, tore down social inequalities. Everybody was equal in God's house. And we continue on with the very thing that started on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God filled an upper room. And this is what the apostles contended for the apostle paul wrote it this way you're neither greek nor jew you're neither male nor female you're not a slave or a bondsman but we are all equal in the household of god how many of you glad to be a part of the household of god it's what unites us that's why on a sunday you can see people of all colors of all backgrounds of so much diversity and that's the household of god that's exactly the way that God intended it to be. The church was the original institution that fought for unity. I don't know if you knew that. I know there's a lot of people that like to put a lot of labels on the church, but they've never opened up their Bibles to actually read what it said. But the church was the original institution that fought, that fought back against slavery, that fought back against inequality, that cared for the sick, that cared for the widows, that cared for the disenfranchised. It was the church that did all of that. Some of you are saying, really, the church did all of that? Jesus even told those that would follow him, he says, what you've done for the least of these, you've done it unto me. What you've done for the least of these, you've done it unto me. And that's why we reach and we do all that we can do. Because the household of God, listen, this is what I know. The household of God may not be perfect. We do not have a perfect household, but we have a perfect foundation. We have a per now, I got to say that because some of y'all are like, Pastor, I've been wounded by the church. I'm sorry. Pastor, I've been hurt by the church. I'm sorry. The church that I've been a part of got it wrong. I'm sorry. Look, I didn't say the household was perfect, but we do got the right foundation. And oftentimes, and I'm coming to a close now. Let me get Brother Sam to help me out. Here's the thing about the household of God, and this is why the foundation is so important. Too many churches make it about themselves and not about the foundation. Come and see our lights. Come and see our show. Come and see our production. Come and see our programs. Come and see our systems. 
Now, I'm all about creating a healthy church, and it takes a healthy system to do that. I'm all about creating a healthy church, and it takes healthy people to do that. I'm all about health, but there is one thing that we have got to get right. People don't come for the structure. They come for the foundation. They come for the foundation. And it's so countercultural, isn't it? I mean, when you come, when you bring people into your house, now this is what makes the kingdom of God just so different. This is what, this is, this is what I love about it. When people come to your house, the last thing you're doing is taking them into the garage and showing the foundation. Look at the foundation. It's beautiful. <laughs> Colored it myself. I mean, y'all did that nice stuff. I've always wished somebody would come and bless my house with epoxy. They, I don't even know what it's called. I'm like, the glitter. Joe's like, it's epoxy, Pastor Josh. Sorry. We don't do that, do we? People come to our houses. We want to show them the paint. We show them the structure. We show them what we've done with it. And I, I get that. And I get that. No one ever says, can I show you the foundation of my house? No one does that. But you know the crazy thing is? That's exactly what we're supposed to do here at the church. This is why we're pausing. As a matter of fact, in the month of September, and I shared this with the Dream Team. We had an incredible team night last night. Shout out to, to all the Dream Team. Come on. We celebrated all that God has done since we reopened in the month of February. For those of you that don't know, it might come as a surprise to you, but for 49 weeks, we did not meet in person. They listened to your pastor on television, on YouTube, or on Facebook. We went completely online. But then when we, we, when we reopened, we began to see incredible things. And, and as Pastor Peter mentioned just a little while ago, we were running at a fast pace. I'm like, come on. Do you think of summer with friends every weekend? We had another powerful speaker coming through. And then it rolled into July, and then the month of August, it's like just when we thought we were slowing down, we like took the church and lit it out of a cannon. <laughs> Israel holding in the house. Man, he's coming. We're doing summer Sunday, all this, all kinds of stuff. It's been great. I've been loving it. How many had a good time this summer at Lighthouse Church? I had a blast. I hope you all had a blast. But I, I told the dream team this. I told them this. That pace is not sustainable. Can I talk to you as a pastor of the house right now? And so I feel the Lord telling me we're going to slow things down in the month of September. We're going to start to slow things down in the month of October because the holidays are coming, y'all. And, man, something about minority holidays. We do it busy, don't we? Yeah, it's just like busy. So I, I felt like God was like, slow it down. So in the month of September, we're not doing anything. We're not having any invited. Are you going to get me, for better or worse? <laughs> We're going to slow, but here's, here's what I want for you, church, Lighthouse. Here's what I want for you. I want for you to continue to make Sundays a priority. If you're not on the Dream Team, get on the Dream Team. And then number two, I want you in a small group. That, that's it. That's, that's what I want for you. What does pastor want for me? I want to see you on Sunday, and when I want to see you in a small group. And I promise I won't mess with you on your weekends anymore. I'm being serious because that was an incredible pace for the summer. I had a lot of fun. That, that was a blast. But, but I do feel the Lord calling us now into this, this season where we're going we're gonna to take a step back. We're going to watch our pace. We're going to rest just a little bit. When the holidays come, we're going to ramp it back up again because that's what we do, right? We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to ramp it back up again. God only knows what's going to happen. We do things big at Lighthouse. I can only imagine what Chris is going to look like around here, but it's going to be big. It's going to be fun. I don't know what it is. Don't ask me, but it's going to be fun, all right? But, but I really feel like, you know, right after Labor Day weekend, I just want to see you in a connect group. I want to see you doing life with other people. And I want to see you just faithfully committed to Sunday. Being here, sitting when it's your week to sit, serving when it's your week to serve. I just want to see us get to this place where we are in a good pace. 
Does that sound good, Lighthouse Church? So that's what we're going to do in the month of September. We're going to slow it down a bit. Slow it down. I really feel God telling me to tell you that. But here's the deal. What I love about the church, and I'm done with this. What I love about the church is it's not about the structure. It's all about our foundation. It's all about our foundation. And, and if we are not coming back to the foundation, it's impossible for us to build up. And we continue to come back to our foundation. We continue to come back to him because the church is built upon the foundation that was laid by the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, Pastor Josh, how is it that I get back to the foundation? How is it that I continue to set my eyes on the foundation? This is what I love. The Bible tells us exactly how to do that. The Bible says I must decrease so that he would increase. And I, when I get to this posture here, and when I begin to look down, what I am doing is actually keeping my eyes focused on the foundation. How, how do I keep the foundation where it should be? Right here. Right here, Lighthouse Church. Right, right here. The, the, the Sundays where we have blowouts are incredible. The times where we can just run and, and serve our city, those days are phenomenal. But, but this is how we make sure that we are continually building on the foundation. Because if we ever get away from this posture, Lighthouse Church, we're going to lose our ability to see the foundation. If we ever get away from this posture, Lighthouse Church, we'll start to build on something that is not our chief cornerstone. If we ever get away from this foundation, Lighthouse Church, we might build something that we think is beautiful. We might build something that we think is incredible. We might build something that we think, look at what we built together at Lighthouse Church. But if you don't remain in this space, you'll realize that you built on something that wasn't the foundation. And all the world will come and look at, and marvel at something that is leaning because it wasn't built on the right foundation. Look at what we built. It's leaning. It's, when, when they began to build on that foundation, at no point did the builders say, it's leaning. It's leaning. But nonetheless, they continued to build. They continued to build. They continued to build. And then eventually, the structure was done. And they, they began to look at the structure. They, my God, let's look at this beautiful structure. But no one ever bothered to go back and check the foundation. And by the time it was over, and by the time construction had completed, and as the days went on and the seasons wore on, the structure began to move. That's what happens when you take your eyes off of the foundation. Zerubbabel sets the altar, and he sets it on its foundation right in the place and right in the space that God had said to build the altar I want to lead you in prayer let's close our eyes and let's bow our heads everyone all over this house and I don't know where you're at and everything that we've communicated today maybe some of you it really hit when I was talking about getting back to your calling and you're realizing that man that God's not done with me just because you're done doesn't mean God's done and maybe you can sync up your life with his plans for you. Maybe you can get back to this place where he's guiding you and he's directing you. So what is the thing that you're not done with? What is the thing that God is calling you back to? What is the ministry that God is not done with? What, what is the thing that God is trying to do through you? Can you get back to that place? Can you get back to that space? 
Can you get back to that place where it was you and God and he was breathing into you and giving you direction and showing you how to build and showing you where to build? Let's get back to that place. And for those of you, maybe that's not you, but, but maybe you're here, you're visiting, you got invited by a friend, you got invited by a family member, and you heard me talking about the household of God. Maybe you're here because you were hurt by the church and you only came because someone really convinced you to come, but you don't know and you're here and you're like, I don't really want the church anymore. Let me just be the voice of God right now and say to you, it's time to come back to his household. He's calling you back into his home. Just because the household wasn't perfect doesn't mean that God isn't perfect. And just because people might have hurt you doesn't mean that God hurt you when he's saying, come back home. I'm leaving the 99 in this moment, and I'm coming back for the one. I'm coming back for you. I'm bringing you back into the house, and I'm bringing you back into the home. I want you back in my household again. You don't have to live like a stranger anymore. You don't have to live like a foreigner anymore. You don't have to live separated from God any longer. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, bring us back to this place, Lord God. Bring us back to this foundation. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.